Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm here with my co-host and star of this show, America's most beloved sports writer, the Hall of Famer, Kevin Kernan. Got a great show in store for you today, episode 318. Uh, as our guest today on the show, we've got host of A Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching, Will George, the host on our network of The Hot Corner with Coach Sal, Sal Marinello, and of course, myself, Dave D'Agostino, will join Kevin. Before we, we bring Kevin on to talk about the, the great stories he wrote this past week at Ball Nine, including the leadership one, what I wanted to get deep into. Uh, we're seeing some great leadership in the postseason now. want to thank our audience, 52,000 plus, 74 countries. want to thank you for pushing us on the iHeartRadio. Uh, we will we'll give some thoughts on our advertisement later on uh, as we close the show today to give our audience a, an adjustment we made that'll help them out as well, as well as our podcast hosts. But I want to thank you guys for pushing. We battle the analytics of the podcast world just like we do in Major League Baseball. And we're winning right now. Give Kevin five stars. Make sure you write some great comments underneath it. That way, the iHeartRadio knows they made the right choice choosing this podcast network. So with that, Kevin, welcome back to your show. Yeah, great to be back with all you guys. And October is my favorite month because it's basically, uh, you know how they have the, uh, I just thought of this, like uh, Groundhog Day, you know, and. The little groundhog comes out with the greatest movie, one of the greatest movies of all time, Pucks of Tony Phil. Well, well, October to me is kind of like uh, baseball's Groundhog Day, except the nerds come out and they see that there's going to be four weeks of real baseball and they disappear because they just they destroy the game all year long. And then we get to October and every October, it seems like the team that plays real baseball, the most baseball, wins the championship. And we're really lucky this year. We got a lot of teams that are playing baseball. And, uh, you know, this, this uh, I, I addressed that in my aircraft carrier column about Harper and all the leadership and things like that. But I think I want to kick it off today with something that happened last night because let's get right into it. But how many nerds would have let their starting pitcher go through the sixth inning Bases loaded, no outs, three good hitters coming up, Diaz, Diaz, Altuve, and Bregman. Uh, good old calm, Bruce Bochy, who I, you know, I, I tipped everybody off a month ago when I wrote the Bochy ball column, you know. Uh, again, you write all these columns, and and they pretty much all come true, and yet the nerds, I'll still have people on Twitter say, oh, uh, 2020 hindsight. And uh, Will made a, a joke about that before the show. They don't know anything. Once we accept it, that the nerds don't know anything, like I accepted a long time ago, then we're in much better shape. And uh, so they're, they're hiding out. They don't want to show their shadow. And I have to say one other thing. I read a couple of columns this week. I, I don't read a lot of other stuff by other people because most of them are uh, – Kind of like, uh, yeah, they're doing it for another reason. I read two Yankee columns about the Yankees letting Montgomery go and all this stuff. You know, the obvious column, stuff I've been writing for years. And neither one mentioned Brian Cashman. What's going on here? Uh, yeah, It's not the, you know, the mainstream medium's got its own problems, but so does the sports media. Brian Cashman is the reason there's no Jordan Montgomery, no Bryce Harper, and we can go on and on. 
call, you know, call it out. Give him credit if he wins a World Series, but also make it clear that he's the one who made the decisions not to bring those guys or keep those guys or whatever. And we see it year after year after year. But this year is really special because the nerds are in hiding. Yeah. I think we're seeing some old school baseball guys uh, just watching the game, coaching the game, um, as, as you've said all along. Um, we got Sal back on with us here. Talk about your leadership arc. I, I love that. I know you, you mentioned the, the nerds going away. I think that's a, that'll be a great graphic on the next article, a pocket protector, some glasses with the shadow hiding away. Um, I mean, to talk to the old school baseball, Rob Thompson, uh, you know, they, he was taking heat for, he, they wanted him to take Schwarber out of the leadoff spot. Schwarber leads off with a home run on a, an index card fastball from Zach Gallon last night. Uh, what, what are you seeing with the playoffs even deeper? Well, the four managers are, are pretty much every one of them. And I, and I hate the term old school because it, it's not really old school. It's baseball school. And school, I, right. Yeah, it's the school of baseball. Uh, you know, just like the school of hard knocks. There's reality to it. And uh, Bruce Bochy, Dusty Baker, Rob Thompson, Tori Lovello. Lovello is like the kid of the group, but he's been around 58 years old. I think he is. Uh, you know, he's been on some good staffs through the years. He's come up the hard way. He was... As Will well knows, he was an infield instructor with the uh, Indians and then started managing their minor leagues. So none of these guys were gifted a managerial job like people are being gifted managerial jobs all along. And we really see it going on in San Francisco now. I, I think it's going to be hilarious if they pick one, if they pick a super nerd again. Uh, I think it'd be great, be great for everybody. I'm, I'm starting to wonder how many players are really going to want to play in San Francisco anymore. Because, again, I know these players. I texted with Zach Wheeler last week. I texted with Bochy a uh, week prior to that. They, he lets the players play. He lets them decide what to do. And if he has to make a move, like he did with Chapman, you know, Chapman gives up the home run to Alvarez, the second home run of the night. Boom, he gets right out there and takes him out because he knows he's not worrying about hurting Chapman's feelings. How many times have we read through the years with the boons of the world and everybody else? Oh, you know, I wanted to let Chappie to work through that. You know, no what? No, the stakes are too high. Chappie can't give up another home run. He throws a get me over slider. And you mentioned it, Dave. Zach Allen, I mean, oh my God, the first pitch to Swarber. I mean, Swarber must have thought it was his birthday. It was yeah. Bryce Harper's birthday, of course, and he hit the home run on the first pitch. Another, you know, again, they have to do it. They, these, you have to do it. It's not just so easy that you're hitting a meatball, but you're, you're, hitting, you're hitting it out. That was the first home run that Harper's ever hit on his birthday. I think it's the first pitch he's ever seen on his birthday because he never played this long, and I think there was an off day last year. So, so again, it's, it comes back to the leadership of these guys, and they demand leadership on the field as well, you know. And, uh, and I'm sure Dusty today, this morning, is pretty upset about the PFP play that, uh, you know, Framber Valdez uh, made. And I, and I said it last week, and I said it on WIP this week. Um, he looks a little heavy to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and he couldn't get off the mound, couldn't make the play. And, and credit Robbie Grossman, he ran through the bag. So leadership comes in the dugout, comes on the field. Harper's given the leadership. Uh, we see the things with the Rangers across the board, the catcher Heim. Totally underrated. Hits a home run, puts his bat down, runs around the bases, uh, catches every freaking game. And also the Rangers had only one, you know, for all the people whining about, oh, the poor Braves, this team, that team didn't have enough. Uh, oh, they they got rusty. The Rangers have had one home game since September 24th. They've yeah. been all over the world and they're getting it done. 
But they have that mindset. And Evaldi talked about it last night. Doesn't matter where we are, we're on, a, you know, we're on that mission mindset. And we'll see if they can finish it out. It's still going to be tough because the, the Astros are good and they play well on the road. So that's a little bit about leadership. And uh, th- that's where we're at. It's perfect. Will, you had something. Yeah, you know, on go, going back to what what managers would do that, and I think Bochi probably might be actually even out of this four the only one, yep. and it was because of the man who had the ball in his hands who takes his game to another level with men in scoring position, and he believes in him, and that's you know leaders create a sense of trust where you trust your players. And how many of their players that I've heard interviewed over the last two weeks now that they've been on this run that say he has such a sense of calm in the dugout. There's no panic. There's no flipping through a notebook or looking at an iPad. He watches the game and he manages the game properly. He doesn't take notes either, Will. He's got that big head and it all comes in his head. And actually, just just to back up your point, he he was asked about that after the game. Good job by reporters, and and uh, they he said, um, you know, I had a you know I I felt that that Nate could bring it up a notch. He has an ability to go up a notch. Real managers, real leadership sees that, and you're not looking at a piece of paper which you can then blame. Well, you know, it was it was the readout. It was the computer readout told us to get him out. So you know, and and then all the all the other most of the writers will nod their heads in agreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to go with the, with the numbers. And, and and the baseball players all mentioned it. Uh, John Smoltz said hitters hit 0-89 against him with runners in scoring position. So Bruce Bochy didn't need a spreadsheet to know that. He knows that by just watching him pitch all year long. He watches him take it to another level. David Ortiz, who's a proud Red Sox who remembered what he did in the World Series, almost got choked up. He said, man, I knew you were going to get out of that jam because I watched it in 2018 when, 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 when you helped the Red Sox win that World Series. So baseball people that watch the game know the game, and, 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 and they prove it. And, and I also tip my hat to Chris Young, who was the general manager mm-hmm. that brought Bruce Bochy in, and uh, Dave, you remember we had my nephew Jonathan that works for the Rangers, yeah. and, and he shared a story with me that last year uh, Chris Young got tired of watching what he was watching, and he went down and told the former manager, "We're going to take infield at least three days a week because I cannot watch this shit day in and day out." <laughs> and Corey Seager came to him and said something, and he said, "Corey," he said. When you guys, he goes, this isn't for you. This is for the guys that are not performing. And I need you and Simeon and the other guys that are leaders on this team to take this seriously. And you know what? We Once we become competent, then we won't have to take infield. Uh, in well, let me jump in here one second, just because I thought I think it's so important what you're saying. And it's also... Not only are we seeing those managers, but even, I'm I'm going to compliment Fo- uh, Fox for their their crew. Uh, a Rod, Poppy, and Jeter are asking the right questions. They're asking baseball leadership questions, and and they're they're talking baseball. They're not talking numbers. Yeah, yeah. No, they're 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 doing a great job. There's he no spoke doubt. about the clerk too, um, the the closer about his. You mentioned Bochy's calm how that has manifested itself into the closer's uh, mentality with Texas. I mean, even when he gave up that 
gave up a deep fly ball to right. He knew off the bat his guy was going to get it. He turned around casually, looked at it, and just moved on to the next pitch. Didn't look at an index card at all. Um, and uh, I don't know if you guys saw Zach Gallon after Harper hit the home run. He was on the back of the mound. <laughs> he pulled out the index card to look at it. And I had to apologize to my son because he goes, what do you think's on that card? And I said, don't throw another cock shot. <laughs> so, well, but then, you know, um, that's, that's, you know, I've said it for years, you know, managers that put players in roles to be successful, uh, have patience with them, realize that a failure is a failure and this is not an easy game. Um, baseball people all understand that they build a sense of trust for a player to rebound from a tough time because the manager didn't lose faith in him. He didn't go from the closer to the long man that pitches once every two weeks. And, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we call guys up to the big leagues, they struggle, they get benched and then we kill their development. I see it all over the industry. You know, there has to be a sense of, you know, Rob Thompson, you know, yeah, Schwerbs, you're hitting 190, but you're also walking, you're scoring runs, you're driving in runs, and you're hitting home runs. We have a deep enough lineup, you're going to hit first for us. It is what it is. Uh, there becomes a sense of trust. You know, Alec Bohm, who struggled defensively, now has become a very competent third baseman who hits in the middle of that order because of the patience of a baseball guy that didn't bury him, that didn't send him back to Lehigh Valley because he had a tough week. So, Sal, you jumped in here. I saw you come in. Yeah, there was a couple of things. One of the things I I remembered reading when the um, smartphones became so dominant in our lives was that people get dependent on for instance, a GPS, you could go the same way to work or the same way to a certain location. And then people started to get on the GPS for other things. And then they were using it for everyday uh, routes, routes that they knew how to go. And then they were losing the ability to go someplace without having this GPS in front of them. And this is, this is going back. This is not in the last couple of years. This is at least 10 or so years ago. I remember that. And I found myself that way. And I think these managers and other coaches that are inundated with this data that's coming off a tablet or some other electronic device, they they start to lose the ability to recall the information that should be obvious without needing to look at it on a card. So it becomes really a learned, a, a bad learned habit or a learned bad habit that they need to see something in writing on this tablet before they can put something into action. And, and I think you see that a lot in football, obviously, with these ridiculous cards. And then you see it, obviously, now in baseball, which we're talking about. And I think it it takes away a lot of the strategy that you used to see because guys just knew it because they didn't need to have it written down for them. Yeah, those are great points, Al. I agree 100%. And, and one of the other things I love, and we talk about closers, and I remember back in you know when I was a playing and uh, in high school – and watching, I loved the term the stopper because it was not the guy coming in in the last inning or so to, to turn the, uh, you know, to finish the game and close it out. It was, and I remember, you know, you guys have a better memory, but to me it was Goose Gossage. Gossage would come in 
anytime, I guess, from the seventh inning on, maybe earlier, I'm not sure. But And if you look at his – I was looking at his stats so many of those years when he was in his prime. He was pitching like two innings for per appearance. If you look at his innings pitched for his appearances, he was over an inning. I just loved that element where – I don't care if it's the seventh inning, but it's 5-3, and this is the, the point we need to get out of, and I'm bringing him in. I just used to love that about baseball. Yeah. You know, and, and Rob Thompson's done a good job of of uh, using Alvarado as the guy that's, in a lot of cases, handling the most highest leverage point that you go, we get through this inning, we win the game. And the, sometimes it's been in the seventh and – eighth inning ahead of the ninth inning and uh you know he's done a really good job of that and and getting back to goose i was the one who dug up a lot of those stats when he was uh struggling to get in the hall of fame year after year i had to point out the numbers to the nerd writers so they could figure it out and he got in there uh again so many so many like sal said so many three inning saves and um I'd like to see, you know, and, 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 and credit Bo- Bochy again. He got a four-out save last night from yeah. his guy. And uh, well, that, that's important. You know, Kevin, we, you know, we remember him and Raleigh Fingers was the other one. Yep. That, that those two guys, you know, the, the, the modern closer throws 58 innings. Those guys would throw like 130 innings, which which a lot of the starters are now throwing because they would throw, they would have those multiple inning saves. Well, well, when you look at like one of Gossage's best years was uh, when he was with the Yankees in '78, and he had 63 games that he appeared in. He finished 55, and he pitched 134 innings. Oh, so yeah. right there, that's over two innings per outing, and he had 27 saves. Now, Kevin. You got and will you guys and Dave obviously would know better, but the the save I don't know how many of the younger younger gen or newer generation fan realizes how much the save rule has been changed to make it easier to get a save. Correct? Yeah, I think uh, you, you know jokingly uh, the the save now is if the tying runs somewhere in the ballpark. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it's ridiculous. You know, what they went from, you know, uh, you know. The tying run always had to be on deck, I think, to now if you face enough hitters during the inning, it becomes a save, you know, because you you, you gave up two hits and whatever. You turned it into a save. Yeah, that happens a lot. I, I got to throw one other name out there, Kenta Colby, the things he yeah. did. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I have uh, – I, 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 they have a great um, – there was a great bio on him on the Pittsburgh station. And I don't, I try not to watch too much Pirates, but I happened to turn that on one day. And even I had forgotten the road that that guy took yeah. to get to the majors and how long he was good and how many innings he talked about. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. He, he, he was like a three inning guy all the time. And, and he was just so different. Again, that's that. I'd love to see baseball get back to, a, you know, we always, t- you know, the most overused word in, in, in our life right now is diversity. I'm tired of it, you know. Yep. It's everywhere. But I'd like to see a little more diversity in baseball in that guys do things different ways. Well, you know, you want your best pitchers pitching your most innings. So, you know, when you have starters that can throw well over 200 innings and you have a closer 
or a couple guys in your bullpens that can throw multiple innings. Now, now you have your best pitchers pitching the most innings. I, I, uh, I like that diversity comment because I, I, I think right now diversity of thought to me is the only thing that we should be thinking about with diversity. And I agree with you, Kevin, on, on, uh, seeing more Kent to Colby's and Goose. I remember a game Goose Gossage came in in the fourth inning because Billy Martin thought that was the key. Um, and that, and there's no index card that would pump that. What, what about some of these, these, uh, hires out here, some interviews that are going on. We got the giants doing some funky things out there again. They had Bruce Bochy not too long ago and here he is back in the playoffs. Um, which, uh, anybody got anything to say on that? I'll start off. Cause uh, yeah. I don't mind getting in trouble. Um, yeah. I'm right behind first, you. First of all, the, um, when, when uh, Dr. Z, that's what I call it, their president of baseball officer, GM, whatever he's called. I don't even call him by name because he, he, to me, he's a, he's a mad scientist. And I remember having a discussion with Andy McCullough, great young writer years ago, who's, you know, and Andy's a good writer, does a great job with baseball. But he was trying to tell me that Dr. Z was the smartest guy in baseball. And I said, you got to be kidding me. This guy's not smart. He's got you fooled. Well, look what he's done to that organization. Uh, you know, he, he came from Oakland, went to LA and, uh, here's the funny thing that I got to tell you, I, I, I read it in an article recently when he had his postseason wrap up interview, Dr. Z, he had to do it in a dugout because all the rooms that they used to have, like an interview room or this or that down there. And, and again, Oracle Park's a great park, but it was built a little bit before it didn't have a lot of land. So, so it, it, it had to squeeze a lot of stuff in. That's what I'm trying to say. So anyway, there's a guy, Murph, who was their basically clubhouse guy forever, you know, going back to Willie Mays. And, and he had his he had his office. So even that's got so. So Dr. Z had to do his post game, his postseason wrap up interview in the dugout because there was no real interview space because all the nerds have migrated. They've, they've tripled the amount of nerds they've had here over the last few years. And the team keeps getting worse. Does that tell you anything? You know, and then there's talk about, you know, and again, God bless. My daughter played college softball, set a home run record. A lot of respect for softball players. It's a really difficult sport. But I have trouble with granting interviews to to people who, you know, they're trying to just check a box as opposed to maybe, I mean, if, if she, if I forget the girl's name, but if she's really a candidate, God bless her. But if it's just to check a box, it's not fair. And what do well, baseball uh, guys think think about that? You know, it's there's, like uh, there's, yeah. there's there's only 30, 30 of these jobs ever available. Uh, this is these are the greatest teams in our sport, supposedly in the world. And there's thirty of them, and the people that should lead them should have immense experience in success in the game, dealing with people, understanding the game. And, I, you know, I'm sure she's a bright young girl, but her background, you know, you know, when they, you know, when you read her profile, you know, she worked in business, she worked in strength and conditioning. She worked a couple of years in the minor league department, and then she was given a big league job. That doesn't give you enough experience to watch the game and do the things that Bruce Bochy is doing and Rob Thompson is doing and Tori Lovello, you know, you know, you'll, you'll get what you pay for. Well, the other thing I want to say, if, if, and again, I don't know, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to know if she's qualified or not. I was not in the interview room. Say she blows them away and she gets the job. 
more power to her. I'm all for it. But if she gets the job, she's got to be held to the same standard that other managers are held to. Yeah. Yeah. And that, the, the part that I, I agree with both you guys with your points on it, if there is a push at some point in time, and again, I've got two daughters too, they both play baseball. Um, I would hope that if they got an opportunity like that down the road, that they had all the necessary experiences required to have success. Because if you are going to make a monumental hire like that, and that person is not ready, not only do you hurt the, 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 the team, as Will said, you know, it's 30 of the best, uh, it's the best 30 teams in the world, but you also hurt the next person in line if they are prepared to have that opportunity, if they did pay the dues and go through the line, if there is someone that checks the boxes that, that, that she does, you're going to hurt that opportunity. We, we may see it. And with the GM job, you saw them, the Marlins, well, they got rid well, of Kim, right? Well, you know, well, she resigned and you know what? Kim did a great job there. Yeah, Kim did a fantastic but, job. And I got to think she's going to land on her feet. Yeah. Know, maybe Boston. But, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But, Kim, but, but Kim put 35 years or so in this game working um, um, with Gene Michael and, and 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 all the people that helped build that Yankee franchise, and you know, uh, it, you know, she she put her time in, and and she did did her thing. You know, when I read this girl's profile, she should be working in baseball because she's worked really hard, but she's not ready to be a major league manager and handle everything that that comes with that job. She never managed anywhere, right? No, no. And again, there's a lot of people like that. Aaron Boone never managed anywhere, and look what's going on. So, so it's just it's the way they they conduct business now. They want to be creative instead of this is the team that let Bruce Bochy go. <laughs> you know that that's all I want to say here. Now maybe it was time he needed a reset. You know, and I think I told you the quote he gave me. You know, twenty five years, three stints. You know, so he was ready for a reset. But he was ready to come back. To me, the most amazing thing is that Bruce Bochy was sitting out there for three years and we're getting some clown hires, you know, and and Gabe Kapler to me was a clown hire. I don't I don't care what you say. Uh, yeah. How about the fact that, you know, he was in Philly and, and basically it, Girardi then Rob Thompson. So 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 all these guys want to do is they want to bring attention to them as being so, look how smart we, I'm so smart, we're hiring this person. You know what? You know who's really smart? And I, I cover him as a player. Chris Young is really smart. He's a Princeton kid, but he's a baseball kid too. And he he did, he did was not afraid to give power to someone else. And I think that's the bottom line here. And so I want Sal to address this because he deals with this kind of stuff all the time. But that's what we're talking about. These GMs, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, it's someone with no experience, whatever. They want to have the power over these managers. This is about power. It's about nothing well, else. You know, Kevin, something that came to mind as you were talking, and then we'll go to Sal, but, you know, I read, boy, it was an outside-the-box move. They were really thinking, how about we go back inside the box? Because <laughs> – because all those who were in the box know how the box should be operated. We got four guys in the final in the in the, in the LCSs who are all inside the box guys. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, and, you, and, you know, you, and David Dombrowski's doing what he's doing inside the box. David inside the box. Let's not go outside the box. Well, guys, you know, you mentioned about if she if this if, a, if any woman would get hired and not for the right reason and then fail how it would negatively impact other women down the line. But 
That happens all the time, and you know where it happens? Look at the NFL draft where guys are picked as quarterbacks high, and I don't care if it's, a, uh, if it's an African-American quarterback, a white quarterback. They get picked where they shouldn't be because they do a poor job of, of not only collecting data but analyzing data and actually depending too much on data. And it hasn't stopped the NFL necessarily from making those same mistakes. And we could look at the last you know, few drafts and you could see the mistakes kind of are all over the place. So I think, you know, I, I, I it's kind of a devil's advocate thing. I, I think you're in a position where we're used to seeing people get picked and put into positions where they're not ready for and they fail all the time. It's a matter of do you correct course and realize you made a mistake or do you just keep making those same mistakes? And it, and it's ultimately at the detriment of the player or or the coach slash manager, if, if that's the case. So I think that happens all the time. But I do agree with Kevin in that these um, uh, 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 sorry franchises are basically telling you and again, this is it could be Aaron Boone, who, like you said, never managed before. They're just there to to read the the data, whether it's off a notebook or or their iPad. That's where we're moving. We're moving towards a kind of automated system where you're just going to be the guy to relay or the woman to relay the information to the guys that are playing. So that that's what they're saying without saying it. I, I, it's no offense to to any woman who gets the. To, that's fortunate enough to have worked to get this job or anybody. It, it could be, you know, when you have this minority emphasis, regardless of what that minority is, the you're, you have to make sure that it's the right person because, again, it has rep, repercussions that go to leadership issues with the team itself and with people down the line who are in that same kind of pipeline if they're going to get a shot because the first guy or the other woman or the the – the, the quarterback from the small school gets picked too high, does that kind of mess it up for the next guys and women? So, Well, the NFL has been messing up quarterbacks for quite a while. And, uh, you know, look at Tom Brady. I mean, all you got to – you know, they just – they don't understand – again, and I think, um, I think Will talks about this a lot. Here's what the nerds don't understand. They don't understand the compete gene. And there's a compete gene that people have. Men, women, black, white, whatever. And the ones that have the compete gene succeed. And they don't, they have no way of measuring that. They don't look for it. And they, they're scared of it because they know that person. If you're in a meeting with Bochi, I mean, I've talked to Sabian. I talked to Sabian recently. Uh, you know, he loved working with Bochi because not only was he a fun guy to work with, knew the game, was funny and, and smart. But, you know, he'd stand up for certain things, too. And that, that's the way it should be. So so baseball, all these lessons, I'll get back to my original thought. All these lessons are learned in October, and then we get to November, and then the nerds take charge again, and the writer nerds write about, you know, the, why this guy should be a GM or why this person should be a manager. And, and, and the same things happen to these teams over and over again and. When are they? When are the owners going to wake up? That's my. That's the real question here. I'm not even talking about the Dr. Z's of the world now. It's the owners who need to wake up, and um, I. I think they're actually going backwards. If you see what's going on with some organizations, I think the owners are actually getting worse than they than they've been in the past, 
And that's why the Texas, let's not forget too, one other very important thing we've left out, and I apologize. The Phillies and the Rangers, especially, and of course the Astros to a degree, they all spent money. You got to spend money to bring in great players, you know? And uh, I still laugh when I hear some Yankee fans saying, oh, well, Harper. I, I remember talking to Cashman about this. How do you not go after Harper? Oh, we have six outfielders we like, and he can't play first base. Right then and there, gone, gone. You're gone if I'm the Yankees owner. But Hal Steinberg doesn't care about baseball, clearly, you know. And uh, so these owners are going backwards and the game is going backwards. But it also means the owners that wake up are going to have – they're going to have a run for years and years. And we're seeing with Texas making a turnaround from, uh, what, 68 wins to to this run with Bochy in charge. Baseball men will be back in the game to some degree. You know, Kevin, you just said something there, and and uh, uh, you know, Bochi spoke his mind, and Brian Sabian talked to you in his article that if he was in a room where he was the smartest guy, he was the wrong in the wrong room. Exactly. We have people now who don't speak their mind, and if they do, to the people that are leading the room who think they're the smartest person in the room, they now lose their jobs. Yep. Because you know who ran the organization like that, Will? Do you know who ran? The NFL runs it like that, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and there's a company called Enron that ran their business like that. And if our audience doesn't know that, look it up. It didn't turn out too well. No, it, and, and that, uh, you know, there, there always used to be the old saying, you know, we can sit in here and agree to disagree, and at the end of the day, we're not going to hate each other. We're going to respect each other's opinions. We're going to make the right decision as an organization. And we'll go have a beer and laugh about it later on about how pissed off somebody might have gotten during the discussion. But hey, they, don't, they don't go have a beer anymore. That That is a healthy way. White cloth. You know, that that's a healthy way to run your business. We need you to know. get White Claw as a sponsor. Come on, White Claw, let's go. I just threw it out there. I threw it out. I'm gonna. I'll connect with them today. Yeah. yeah. Well, 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 well. At the end of the day, we'll have a White Claw. White Claw. God. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, and 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 that's that's not a good thing for for our game right now. And remember uh, what else I said? I, I got because we we are baseball oriented, and I want to get some college football too a little bit, but. What did I say? Like uh, when we first, when Bochi first got the job, and I wrote it and I said it, I said one of the things that I learned about Bochi, and it, and this is a reporter doing his job, not just because I did it, but more reporters need to do this. I remember speaking specifically to every reliever on those San Francisco teams from 2010, 12, 14, and they told me that by August they knew their job, they knew what inning they had, and and we're seeing that now. Bochy's following that plan. He's got his three main guys. He's got to live with Chapman. It's a, it's a roller coaster. I think the home run Chapman gave up will be a good um, wake-up call for him because uh, Bochy pulled him out and because he can't just throw a get-me-over slider to, to, to Alvarez, who's like a phenomenal. And uh, so, so, so it's, it's, it, Bochy's got, he put, he, 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 he figures out what people, the, do best. You know, the catcher's the best catcher he's got. And the other guy hedges. They do fun stuff with him. And then, of course, you come back to spending money and having pitching. And just imagine if DeGrom had worked out for this team. That would be something special, too. And again, one other point, Jordan Montgomery, they recognize through St. Louis what he did there 
And the chance and the chances he didn't get with the Yankees that, hey, this is a guy, this is Chris Young to me. This is I, I gotta think this is a Chris Young move. This is Chris Young knowing baseball, knowing pitching, taking a shot on this guy, where Brian Cashman said this guy can't pitch in the postseason. Well, so wow. You know, Kevin, don't forget, Maddox had him in St. Louis. Maddox walked away. And that's another, yeah. Maddox walked away from St. Louis. And we're giving him short shrift. He's doing a great job. Mike Maddox, the other thing that they've exposed is the St. Louis organization. That's another another organization that I call Moselak the uh, Midwest Cashman because he just holds on to his job for some reason when he makes mistakes. You know, let's – Let's remind the listeners, Mosellac traded Zach Galen and Alcantara for Ozuna. Right. And he traded Rosarina uh, and uh, uh, Montgomery. I mean, the list goes on and on. And and they're such great baseball fans in St. Louis. They'll they'll put up with it. But at some point, they got to question it. And uh, and, and here we go again, you know. But but I want to segue real quick through it because I know – they put a lot of effort into this, uh, the college base, uh, college football scene. And uh, what are some of your thoughts that happened this weekend? Because I got we got some NFL thoughts we'll get into as well. But uh, college football is pretty wild right now. Oh, I love I, I love October too because college football gets into. It. But I, as much as I enjoyed the the Deion Sanders stuff, I'm kind of Deion Sandered out right now. Well, but- let me add to that list, guys. I don't want to see anymore, anywhere, you know, except doing their job. Deion Sanders, Travis Kelsey. Uh, we, do I got to see any more Kelsey commercials? Come on, stop it, stop it. You know, and uh, and even to some degree, uh, Pat Mahomes. Uh, you know, it's too much. Subway commercials. Why does every billion millionaire player that's got all the money in the world got to do a Subway commercial? I haven't been to Subway in years. I don't know if any of you guys have, but that's the schedule. I can't imagine they have either. They're not. They're not eating Subway. Go ahead, um, Dave. I'm sorry, I didn't. Oh no, no. I I think it's great. I uh, I don't know if you guys watch much of it this week in Colorado. You know, I, I I again as I'm Dion'd out. I tuned it. I tuned in. It was twenty nine nothing. Um, you know, figured they'd have it have it going on. And then there was a report at halftime that Shador Sanders, who's Dion's son, the quarterback, was selling merchandise at halftime on Instagram. Um, no way. And it popped up. Yeah. So I was like, oh boy, it's going to be an interesting second half. And as much as I like what he's saying. As much as I like what he's trying to do, um, you know, I was looking at the second half and you got the kid, Travis Hunter, who's a phenomenal athlete, two-way player, has been hurt for a while, receiver, cornerback, just in the mold of Dion. Um, first game back, just just uh, you know, just off of rehab, he played 153 downs uh, in, in the game and they were they were going after him in the second half. That's all they did was throw his direction. And he, was, wow. I mean, he, couldn't, he couldn't guard anybody. There was no adjustments. You know, and again, I'm not a football connoisseur, but, you know, to go back to Parcells, used to say if you get hit in the face with a skunk enough, you start to smell it after a while. And uh, the, the defense was running that one high safety. All they do is slants over the middle, slants over the middle. Um, just some some tactical things that I was like, Jesus, is there going to be an adjustment? You know, no cornerback pressing. Uh, they went for fourth down a couple of times. Clock management was questioned. When they blew that lead, they ended up losing the game, a game that they had to win. And I think they're doing, you know, what they're, what he did to, to get them over 500, phenomenal. Um, but they had a shot to, to get in the playoffs if they won this game. And uh, – it was just a total collapse, starting with the Instagram merchandise sales. Well, you know, Stanford has been a mess too. They that that's a new coach. They had probably one of the worst losses you could ever have. As the new coach came from Sacramento State, and that's a, a football championship sub sub division team, 
and Sandy, uh, I'm sorry, Sacramento State beat Stanford this year. So they've been a mess. I had a player that was there, uh, that I, a kid I worked with through high school was there for four years. They, that was one of the, the great smoke and mirror jobs with uh, David Shaw there being, oh, every, every time the uh, Giants were talking about changing a coach for the last couple of years, his name was brought up. I, I had two of their players I worked with that would laugh at that because they said he had the worst relationship. But anyway, to go to to Colorado falling apart like that, what Colorado is at this point is Jackson State from last year, which was a good enough team to beat these lower level uh, major conference teams. That the, the the I think we talked about it here, or Dave and I mentioned it. I know I've spoken to other people about it. These bottom half teams in these top conferences are not good anymore. And you're getting some of these kids that would rather go to a high-achieving football championship subdivision team or a non-major conference team and play and be successful than wallow in obscurity. And for every every game that an Illinois wins with, you know, that they shouldn't have because of, really that's a great example of uh, games are lost rather than won. Yeah. The, by and large, that bottom half of the Big Ten is is awful. The big, the bottom half of the of the SEC is probably the the rare exception. But for the most part, those other bottom half teams will stink. Hey, what about the Notre Dame win over USC? Oh, I love that. That was the, everybody complained about USC's defense. It was their offense. They turned it over five times. Caleb um, Williams, he he, he uh, that, that's an interesting tape. If I'm thinking of picking him number one. Oh, well, yeah. that's the thing. There's a, a case of the, the NFL teams that I've seen stories tank for him. Forget it. You forget about that. After that game, I, I know you can't, you shouldn't judge, but that goes back to what we said. Forget about the measurables and this and that. What happens in the spotlight and, and what's his response to it, which was as bad as his actual performances. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Sal, because I was watching that game and you could see him on the sideline getting on it. Again, Quarterbacks get on their, their their linemen and things like that. It happens, but he did it in a way that I thought was a little shaky. Yeah, he's a. I mean, their, their offense again. They're supposed to be an offensive juggernaut. Forty eight points in the last nine quarters, not counting the overtime. The way they do overtime, that that doesn't count. And um, you know, of course, the Lincoln Riley defense. And I, and I like Lincoln Riley. He's one of my favorite coaches to to follow. But uh, Caleb Williams was anointed. No lie before the game. I can't remember which, I'll have to look back, which announcer said it, that he is the greatest quarterback prospect ever. Ah, that's just ridiculous. They never heard of a guy named Elway or Marino. That's the most, that, whoever said that is stupid. Sorry, but that that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, five turnovers, and they put that, and the defense isn't very good, but they put the defense at a disadvantage. I think five of the seven times that they didn't, Seven of the five of the seven times they didn't turn it over, they had it on. You know, they only they only had to go less than fifty yards for a touchdown with Notre Dame, and uh, I like the way Notre Dame's put up. I don't like the way they uh, they you know they've had four primetime games in the last four weeks. I know it's tough, but they've uh, they've collapsed a little bit in terms of their their coaching style. But they've got the makeup. To me, that's the best talent they've had in a while. Yeah, they have, and they have. You know, my brother Sean is a big Notre Dame fan, and I'm sure he's happy this week. And and they have the linemen. They need to run the guy more, uh, the running back, and uh, they just need to put again. 
it's much, it's very similar to baseball. Just, just do some football fundamentals. You know, I, this is what I'm noticing in both college and especially in, in, in the NFL. Now teams are running the ball down someone's throat and then they'll go to uh, three straight passes. Yeah. There's been times second and third and, and short and they go shotgun and throw it and don't get the first down. That's how Clemson lost uh, one of their games this year in overtime. They did that. You know what that tells me, Sal? That tells me, Sal, that the analytics are are, are warming their way into football. Well, they certainly are. But what I think there is is an arrogance by these offensive coordinators that, regardless of what of what we should do, I I think we could do this, so we're going to do it. And and again, my my I use that Clemson because that's the great example. It's overtime, so you get the first down, you keep the game going. You don't get it, and the game is over. So yeah. get the first down. It's it's the most ridiculous thing in the world to think that you have a third and one with an NFL quality back or two NFL quality backs, two, two. and yeah. and a and a, a top shelf line, and you can, you don't run the ball. Get the first down, and then you could go to your your crazy plays on first and ten. What one well, other thing I want to say though? I mm-hmm. think what we're starting to see, Kevin, is the effect that this NIL program is having on on gameplay and you guys both talked about two things you talked about Sanders selling stuff on Instagram during a game and Caleb Williams's performance the same week there were stories about how much money they make and and Sanders waving his watch at the crowd at one of the games and then Williams had said the week right before Notre Dame that he would probably stay at USC to make because he'd make more money and have more success than if he went to the NFL and played for a team he didn't like. So I, I think in some way we're going to start to see this happen more. Just like we started to see players pull out of games, the quote, meaningless bowl game, you're right. going to start to see these performances start to suffer from these guys because they are being given this NIL opportunity and it's removing the incentive to play better. In a practice. It's I mean it's it's throughout every sport right now where well the NFL know, aren't you seeing some terrible offense now I mean oh, I think uh, Jason Whitlock mentioned it earlier yeah Whitlock's week. article was really good the gosh I finally became a uh, little engaged because I got done my coverage and unfortunately I had to watch the Eagles Jets game my my gosh that was that was painful to watch how bad it was well I will say this about the Jets that defense they, they play football. And um, that's what that's how they're sneaking up on people. And they don't real again, we're seeing the same things in baseball we're seeing in football. Salah has got them playing good hardcore, you know, hitching them out defense. And they, they're taking a certain pride. But the, the plays that I'm seeing, even from Hertz and some of these quarterbacks, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, you know, that they're all overrated at this point. Hurt, you know, Hertz, um, you know, you guys know I live in the Philly area and grew up an Eagles fan. And uh, to me, he has not been the same since he got hurt late in the year last year. Mm. There seems to be a fear of contact when he runs the ball. Like, you know, you know, he in, in the open field, he's always just sliding and going down. Whereas, you know, you know, maybe they told him not to not to keep going like he did. He was only going to end up getting hurt. But 
you know, uh, and, and his timing and his passing has not even been close to what it was prior to well, that. that gets back to practice and what we've been saying all year. Yeah. They don't, they don't play enough in the no. exhibition season. They don't practice enough. And, uh, you got to practice uh, again. It's, it's mirroring baseball, no PFP, no Winfield. You get garbage play. All of a sudden you bring that stuff back. Like you mentioned with the Rangers and all of a sudden they're in, uh, you know, they're, they're two wins away from the world series. And I, you know, I don't care how big and strong a guy is and how much he squats and all the garbage we hear. If you're putting your quarterback in harm's way like that, it's going to, it's going to have a, a, a negative effect on him. I don't care that he's a built like a brick house. He's taking shots or he's taken shots. He had that injury to his shoulder it's happened across the board. It, it happens to, you know, Lamar Jackson is a guy that is in danger of that. They run him a lot. He looks great, but you're going to take years off his career. Uh, Fields, Justin Fields, is got other issues as well, but there, again, is a guy who runs too much. As opposed, And look at what happens even in the pocket. Daniel Jones has this neck issue, which could be really bad. Again, because he runs and he takes shots, and I know the shot that he took there was in the pocket, but over time, all of those hits add up. Burrow, Burrow was a tackling dummy. That's why he tore his ACL. He came back, had a great second year, but he still was getting hit. Well, Watson has a shoulder injury too. I mean, right. Uh, that's what I want to bring up my two sleeper teams, uh, uh, Browns. Again, I think they play great defense. They've made some moves there, and and. This is partially where I live, but the Jaguars, I think people are sleeping on the Jaguars. I think they're really good. I'm with you on the Jaguars, without a doubt. You know, with uh, and there's one of the best quarterbacks uh, prospects, Trevor Lawrence. He's got a little knee this week. So it's like Sal says, you got the most important thing is to protect your quarterback in this game. And and they need to figure that out. And we didn't even get to the Colts guy, Richardson, who's probably out for the year. He's been been hurt four times already. Yeah. So, so, so. Why don't teams, you know, Tom Brady was great because they protected Tom Brady. You know what I mean? And he, uh, but he, you can't be great without being protected. So that's the bottom line. The New York Giants have been building an offensive line now for 11 years. I'm tired of it. I covered them. Uh, uh, To me, my question is, and this will get people going, who has the worst front office right now? The New York Giants or the New York Yankees? (laughs) Hey, uh, Kevin, just to mention the offensive line, uh, the Eagles scored 14 points. Lane got hurt. Uh, They didn't score another point the rest of the game. There it is. Lane is uh, such an impact. And what he did last year playing with the torn groin all the way through the Super Bowl Hmm. was was pretty incredible. Uh, You know, uh, that injury the other day when he went down, uh, hopefully it's not serious for the Eagles because he is the him and Kelsey are the lifeblood of that offensive line. But him being gone, that made a big difference in that game. They never got anything going after he got hurt. You know, the NFL is a league that you have to contend and overcome injuries. And where I am, I'm still up in New Jersey, and you have a lot of apologists. I've heard Giant fans apologizing. You know, oh, well, they have injuries. This guy's out. The Jets beat the Eagles, again, obviously with the biggest injury we've seen from a impact versus, you know, what you thought the season was going to be like and Aaron Rodgers going down and the way he went down. And they had their two starting corners out against the Eagles, as well as the normal run-of-the-mill bang-ups that you get in a season. And they won, and they beat the Bills. So 
I don't want to hear the injury excuse because that is not an unexpected part of NFL life. So you get over it, and good coaching overcomes it. I think the biggest problem the Giants have is they've looked unprepared in all three phases. Their special teams have been horrendous. Yep. And and here's the big thing, and I think this – you know, people say, oh, you can't fire the guy after two years. Well, there was a story yesterday that there's already a rift in the locker room between who wants Jones to start and who wants Tyrod Taylor to start. And that's almost an unwinnable situation for Dayball because with, with whomever he goes with, the other side of that room is going to be a problem. Uh, and I, I obviously hope the guy's not injured, but what could save Dayball's skin is if, if Jones cannot play and then they're forced to go with Taylor, that makes that decision for him. I, I guess there's there was some concern for the seriousness of this neck injury. Yeah, so I want, speaking of injuries, I wanted to ask you about the, uh, I don't know what your thoughts from afar, but the Aaron Rodgers situation is pretty interesting. He's, he's moving around a little better. He's throwing the ball Sunday. Uh, he was, he was uh, throwing the ball on the field before the game. Uh, one month after the Achilles. Have we come that far in Achilles, that uh, surgery, that guys can come back within the same year? Well, the, the body's healing process is what the body's healing process is, regardless of this type of surgery. There's adaptations that the body needs to go through. And again, the great example is the ACL. Uh, the ACL, it's a ligament. And in many cases, they take a tendon that's the transplant or, or the hamstring tendon or the patella tendon. So while you may, quote, heal as far as the wound goes, that ligament needs to go through a transformation. Uh, that tendon needs to go through a transformation where it actually becomes, it remodels, becomes a ligament. Now, with this new style, if you, and I've watched the procedure, you could go online and find the procedure that Rogers had. Instead of it be like be indelicate or lack of a specificity. They basically took the, the the tendon and tacked it back in place. They've done this thing now where they've looped it through the the back of the foot, through the bone of the foot, and anchored it in several different places. So that's supposedly going to make it easier for him to get back. But you you can't push and 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 accelerate the healing process unless you have some other growth factors involved, which may be done, you don't know. It would be amazing if that if he's able to come back. If you watched him get out of that cart and walk the other day, though, he was not walking on that foot. He was putting his heel down first. He, you know, they have him pretty tightly uh, um, wrapped because that's got to heal. And that that the bottom line is that has to heal, and that that surgical procedure has to kind of take place. It can't just rush be rushed, no matter what the procedure is. I like that. I heard some people say that they've never seen anybody recover that quickly the way he did. He was out throwing the ball, correct? Yeah, correct. I mean, he was, he was on the field, but that it's still know, a long could, way to go. Long way to yeah. go. But, but again, he's got three months because I mean, you can go. Uh, you know, you got November, December, January, and uh, the interesting would be thing would be, of course, is that if uh, if the if the Jets make it and make a run into the playoffs, uh, that means Zach Wilson is doing okay. You know, absolutely. So, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have Rodgers, if he is physically capable of doing it, to have him there. As, as That's quite a fallback if, if, if Zach is struggling in a playoff game. Oh, without question. The, uh, you know, we, we're closing in on an hour here. I had a question with you guys. I, I have a hard time watching the NFL now. I, I look for a good game every weekend, and there's some teams, like you mentioned, Kevin, the Browns. It's a I hard like watch. watch. It's a hard oh, watch. 
they've, they've made so many rule changes to make scoring uh, easier, but there were only two games this past weekend where this, the, somebody scored over 26 points. And with all these great athletes at quarterback and, and whatnot, I just, I have a hard time watching it now. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, I call it, uh, but the, the, the quarterbacks, I say, are racking up all these yardage. These receivers are racking up all these yardage. And it's like empty empty calorie quarterbacking. They're getting all these yardage and stats, but you get in that red zone, they can't score. No. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I, you know, again, I, th- I think it's, I think you got to have, here's the thing that baffles me the most, and I'll go to last night's game. Uh, you know, I always love to see the, I covered the Chargers. I, I went to the Super Bowl with them in 94, 94 season. Uh I love it when the Chargers lose now because they're the carpetbagger char- uh, Chargers. They, they've gone to L.A. San Diego fans were the greatest in the world. They really got screwed. And to me, you can't lose enough for the Chargers. They lose another game. But here's what I'm seeing. I think Dak Prescott scores on a play where, you know, he, he fakes the handoff and basically scoots into the end zone easily. They don't run it the rest of the day. Why? Why don't they run plays at work again, Sal? You're the football coach. You answer. I, that. I don't know. I think it goes back again to the complexification gene that these coaches get. Look at to go back to the Eagles. They get in that short yardage situation, and they get into that formation where Hertz is right behind the center. They get the guys behind yeah, him, and they just push. push. Yeah. I mean, why are why are we seeing? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Why are we seeing shotgun formation on third and fourth and less than a yard? It's it's actual malpractice that they do that. That they can't train their tight end fullback moose of a player to take a snap under center and have the other guys push him for that yard is, in my mind, really ridiculous. Well, in some ways, it's I'm gonna, I'm gonna spin us, you know, bring us right back. Look at the first inning yesterday with the Rangers. Hit the ball the other way. No, uh, Astros make a key error. Um, Grossman runs hard down first base to create the error. Um, uh, they get four runs in the first inning. Uh, the, the exit velocity is not a factor, uh, but it's baseball. And I think the same thing is happening in football. It's all, it's all wow as opposed to, well, this works. Let's do it, even though it's not. We need a Vince Lombardi type to come back into football. And, uh, you know, and that's why I kind of, even though he's a very creative coach, this is why I kind of like the Jaguars. I well, think the Jaguars do some good football things. I, I mean, like they, Dan Campbell with the Lions is, is giving you some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Campbell's like definitely that. giving you that. So I, I think we're dealing in an era of sports now where we need football men to coach football teams and we need baseball men to manage baseball teams. And we need to put the nerds. It's like I, I won't mention the GM who said this to me. Recently. By the way, I, I've been getting uh, text all all day from baseball people still in the game. They can't have their name out because you know if the, if the nerds find out, they get in trouble. But all baseball men, I've got I got this text several times. Like, they're all rooting for the Phillies because of Thompson being a lifer, and they're all rooting for Bochi. Nothing against the other two teams, you know, but. The baseball men in the game want to see those guys make it to the World Series. So if, if, if we need to get over the era of the nerd, it has to end and it has to end quickly. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, Kevin, this, this may be something to, to look at. And, and Will, being a former pitcher and a pitching coach, you look at the NFL that we're talking about. And there was such a devalue of the running back over time that 
you know, there was a market correction on how much they're going to get paid. Pitchers better start paying attention to that too, because the more they get typecast into that four and a third, there could be a market correction on their value. No monetarily. Uh, like no just doubt. like the running back in the NFL. No doubt. I, you know, there's people I hear that speak of, it's actually a concerted conspiracy. You know, we don't want any more uh, Scherzers and Verlanders and guys that go deep in the games. Look at, look at how much you got to pay them. Uh, so let's not, let's not, let's not allow that to ever be created anymore. Uh, as opposed to a lot as you know, we, you know, Dave, you know, Mark and I talk about it. We're stifling greatness all over in all of our sports. You yeah, know, and Jordan Montgomery is going to get paid. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you look around and, you know, uh, all these teams that have nothing but super utilities, well, the teams that are really good, the manager writes the same name in the same position every day. Well, I think that that's, uh, you know, if you look at the starting lineups and the amount of changes in the starting lineups, I think the three of the top teams are for sure, the Phillies, yeah. the Rangers, and I think the Astros are up there. So uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's all about, and even, you know, the Diamondbacks too. The Diamondbacks... The Diamondbacks just say I think they got a little stage fright early on. We'll still, I, I still, I still say they might make it interesting. Oh, uh, Philly, Phillies are getting on that roll. And here's the other thing with the Phillies, and this is another great thing about the Phillies. They've brought their fans into the action. It's oh one. my god, it's one. And and the Yankees used to do that with the great Yankees teams until they got nerdy. Um, uh, the Mets in '69 and '86 did that. The Phillies are running that same. Uh, fandom high where so now these guys also know okay obviously they want to win you, you can't want to win as much as these guys want to win but they also have another carrot in front of them with uh maybe getting the home field advantage you know in the, in the world series so uh you know I, I don't even know if they can get that it has to break a certain way but uh they, you know they they got the home field advantage here they they fought very hard to get the home field advantage in the wild card and it, it makes a difference they didn't sit down the whole game. No, the Phillies, no. they were only crazy. fans behind behind home plate sit, sit. Yeah. But everywhere else in that stadium, and I've been in that stadium so many times, and I'm sure I'll be getting calls from people who want to get World Series tickets because I have the ability to buy them. But you got to buy them wearing the advance. I didn't do it, uh, but that's going to be some ticket if the uh, the Phillies make it back. And what's it say too? What's it say too? Again, we got to start looking at the obvious. We we you know nobody's repeated since the Yankees in 90, 98, 99, 2000. And the Phillies are going to get back maybe to their second World Series in in, in, in two years, two in a row, after uh, having a real baseball man in Dombrowski run the team. But the nerds will not allow it to happen. I'm sorry I'm on the nerds so much today. No. They deserve it. You know, uh, oh, God, well. No, you you know, you were talking about the Phillies last night, and uh, my son Dante called me yesterday, and I said, you know, he said, what do you think? I said, well, Phillies are really, really good. Uh, playing in Philadelphia is really hard, but you know. And Dave, you you know, I said this a few weeks ago. Don't go to sleep on the Diamondbacks. They are a dynamic young team, and for as bad as Galen pitched last night, he still gave them five very competitive innings and kept it at five nothing when he left the game, and allowed them to make the game interesting. But I told Dante yesterday the Phillies needed to not overlook them, come out and punch them in the mouth. And 
you know, boom, first pitch of the game, yeah, right. hits a home run. And Dante texts me and goes, is that a punch in the mouth? <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> and, it. And, and I go, yeah, that's a, that's a punch in the mouth. And then Harper goes deep. And, uh, and I go, well, the aircraft carrier just punched them in the mouth too. So, uh, this game is, is that, you know, it's going to put the diamondbacks into a very, uh, defensive position, you know, you know, Carol wouldn't run all night. That was crazy. And also the, the other thing that's going in the Phillies favor now, and I give him credit is Castellanos is is uh, oh, turned up. He, he's he's a difference maker, right? And he's been the difference for them. Yeah, right? having that as your seventh hitter. Yeah, and your lineup is so deep, you know. Yeah. And uh, one other thing we got to mention because I want to give him props here is uh, Tommy Pham. And I, you know, when he said those things about the Mets, I came out strong saying Tommy Pham was right, and I heard it from all the Mets fans. Always oh, been with seven teams. He's because nobody whines like Mets fans, by the way. Um, and uh, and Tommy Pham is with a team. Now that that plays hard and 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 plays to their best of their ability, so I think they'll I think they'll step back from that game and realize you know we need to do some things and let's not underestimate what Zach Wheeler did too. He's he's oh, electric. He's uh, I mean his his fastball has a different uh, it's 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 got a hydro speed. He's fearless and um, uh, you know I think I told you the story a while back that you know when 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 the Mets didn't understand what he was all about. Uh, when he had to improve his bone density, he had to give himself a shot in the stomach every day, at one off season, the whole off season to improve his bone density. So that was not pleasant, uh, but that's the kind of kid he is. Strong, strong real kid. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then the, uh, I wanted to get Bryson Stott thing out there. Cause we talk about strikeouts all the time. Here's a young kid. You, you, we talked to Evan Carter last Evan week. Evan Carter. And, yeah. yeah. Bryson Stott this year, young kid, second year, switched from shortstop to second base, which is not an easy transition. Everything's backwards. But he had 82 hits this year on two, with two strikes. So it was two-strike approach. I, I loved Kevin Long's approach last night. I thought his approach, they came right after Zach Gallon. Gallon's a bulldog, and they came at him. I also like what Wheeler did. As soon as he gave up, he gave up a you know, first, at, first batter of the game, base hit, he kept him so off balance at first base. That kid loves a run. And uh, I thought he did a great job of uh, just just keeping him guessing on the running game. Well, also with the, I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I had him in my notes and I never got to him. Uh, Kevin Long, here's yeah. a guy that's been interviewed for you know a couple of managers. You don't hear his, you don't hear his name with San Francisco. I mean, how come Kevin Long is not in the uh, manager sweepstakes? He's been he's been with, with a lot of winners with a lot of winners. So especially even with the Yankees, right when they were making their run. Well, you know. Again, the Yankees are very good about letting good people go. And, um, you know, Kevin Long, he can join the club. Funny how him and Rob Thompson ended up together, right? Yep. And 27 years in the Yankee organization, Rob was one of George Steinbrenner's favorites because George was down in Tampa. And Rob used to run that run the Tampa outfit down there when, uh, you know, guys on rehab and things like that. So, so uh, George saw how good he was and um, kept him. And, and he, those guys got paid well down there. Uh, different world, though, uh, and, uh, you know, he interviewed for the job they gave Aaron Boone. And, again, the one thing I would say about Aaron Boone is we don't really know if Aaron Boone is a good manager because we don't know if he's done any managing, even now after all these years with the Yankees. Yeah. Well, but, uh, well, guys, we kept you for over an hour. Today. Any any parting shots before we, we head out and say bye to our audience? I'm good. You good? No, I'm good. I'm good. Well, uh, it, was, uh, it was an enjoyable show as always, guys. 
covered a lot of ground. Sal, you have something to say. Sal, Sal had to go. He had a client. Uh, making money on us. That's right. So with uh, on that note, uh, with our audience here, just give a little note to our audience. We have, we still have the affiliate uh, group that's going to go up. We did make deals with iHeart, Podbean, and Zencaster, and they're going to do advertising for us. So we'll not interrupt the shows. It'll be before and after and a little on social media. That'll kick off in November. We'll find a private site that make use of all of those affiliates that we connected with. So we won't put those away. We'll make sure that gets to our audience and to our our podcasters here today, but wanted to get that out there because we did make mention of that a week or so back. But to that audience, thanks for supporting us. 74 countries, 52,000 subscribers now, grassroots MLB front offices. Give this show five stars today. Write some great comments. Oh, well, you got something. Yeah. Just remember, if you agree to disagree, go have a white claw and then everything will be okay, right? You know, it's tough. White claw sounds badass. It does, but it's, I mean, if you ever see the, the can and whatnot, I personally never had one, but yeah. I've never had one either, but my son uh, likes them. My my uh, youngest son likes them, so uh, there's got to be there's got to be something to it. Yeah, uh, they found, credit White Claw. They found a niche. Good for them. Yeah. yeah. So we've mentioned them six times on this show. So we better get a phone. I'm going to reach out today. They should so, sponsor at least one episode. We'll get them. To, we'll get them to sponsor at least one episode. The most delicious flavored water out there. <laughs> Make scouting sound. Make scouting seem so much better, right? Yeah. Right. All right. Well, guys, great show today. Episode 318 in the books. Uh, Coach and Kernan with America's Most Beloved Sports Writer, Kevin Kernan, our Hall of Famer. Make sure you, you follow him on social media. Also, get with uh, Ball Nine, our brothers over there, and, and read their articles, especially Kevin's. We're supporting them. Tune in to Will later on this week, a day at the yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will. And then uh, get with Sal on the hot corner. I think both shows are this Friday here. One Thanks, other guys. thing, uh, one other thing, Dave, real quick. I'm going to be on with Bob Dibble today, too. So that's always a fun uh, on his ESPN station. So, uh, what time is that? 3 30 ish. So, uh, yeah, he, you know, the, the reason he's got, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not in the New York market anymore, but, you know, I'm, I was on WIP this week. I was on FAN a few weeks ago. Dibble station has me on all the time because I'm not afraid to call it like it is. And you know what? I'm accurate. I call, basically called this post, uh, postseason. So the only one I missed on, was I thought the Cubs would sneak in, but then they totally collapsed. And uh, but that was partly the fault of Rob's co-host, who's a big Cubs fan. So I was trying to be nice. Uh, well, they made a run. They made a run. I've got a prediction for you too. I know we're prolonging this. Be a couple NFLs. I think I, you te- you uh, put something on Twitter about Wyoming Air Force. I tuned tuned that game in. Oh. Air Force. I've got them. New, they'll be a New Year's Six team this year. Yeah, I think they're, they're impressive. They beat a good Wyoming team. Yeah. Wow. There'll be a New Year's Six team and watch for the Lions. I, I, I forgot them. I love watching them. They're old fashioned. I like the way they go about it in the yep. NFL. It's all about uh, it's all about playing the game with the way it should be played, whether it's baseball, basketball or football. That's it. Well, guys, thanks so much for the show today. Great show. We'll have this. Uh, this will be out today before Kevin's on the Rob Dibble show. So tune into this and tune into him as well there. And we appreciate you guys so much. Keep pushing so iHeart knows they picked the right podcast network to be on there. Thanks again, guys.